not sure, Dave. That's the answer. I really That's don't it. know what, what Get the my mic is. up there. Yeah. <coughs> the answer to being the question that I posed to you just before we yeah. started recording. Yeah. For the I've benefit of consider- our listeners. I, I won't lie to you, I've never really considered it. Is the clicking of fingers something that is genetic? Is the ability to do so genetic? I've never been able to do it. I can't imagine it's genetic. In the same way that you can, some people can curl their tongue and others can't, I think is yeah. what you're getting at there. Yes, exactly. Or wolf whistle. Is that genetic? I've never been no, able to do that either. No, thing is definitely not genetic. I can't imagine any of these things can't be achieved. Through practice? Through practice. Or just to get the right physical yeah. elements in the right way, in the right order, at the right time together. I can't imagine, I can't imagine if you practice those things enough, Dave, that you wouldn't achieve them. If any of our listeners know how I might go about at the age of 34 Get in and touch and a half, with Dave. 87 <coughs> At Dave McIntyre NT is probably the best way oh, to get sorry. in touch with me. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're here to talk football. We are. Uh, Dave McIntyre, good afternoon to you. Hello there. We'll be joined shortly. We'll be graced by the presence shortly of... of our fearless leader. Fearless leader, Joe Gilroy. <laughs> He's making his way down a Collins Street at the minute. Getting wet. Yeah, so well, the sun's here. out now. He'll be here shortly. Um, busy all weekend. Not a huge amount of quality necessarily in terms of fixtures, um, but obviously... But tune in Sunday afternoon to Off the Ball nonetheless. Yeah, let me get, let me get around to that. <laughs> Chelsea-Everton is the first game uh, Saturday lunchtime. Uh, this is probably one of the most interesting fixtures of the weekend. Obviously, Everton lost to Tottenham uh, and to Liverpool. They did a shaky win over Villa in between all those. Yet there are reasons, Dave, to believe that Everton could possibly get something out of this game. There are, but I think the lack of depth of the squad of Roberto Martinez that everyone had been talking about when they were winning all of those games and playing so well and winning at places like Old Trafford and I think it's starting to manifest itself now because they've only won two of their last six games whereas the likes of Liverpool and Tottenham have found a vein of form that has taken them way beyond Everton and they're just struggling at the moment they're five behind uh, Tottenham at the moment and they are eight behind Liverpool although they do have a game in hand on both of those teams and now they have to beat a Chelsea team that are Flying pretty high at the moment. Mm. And I think that it's going to be a difficult one for Everton, to be honest, in this game. I just don't think they have the players. Missing Lukaku, he was absolutely yeah. key to them. He's gone. And I just think they're struggling without him because they don't have a decent striker in their entire squad. Let me put the case for an Everton win here. Um, Chelsea lost to City in the Cup. The 1-1 draw at West Brom. 0-0 draw at West Ham at the end of January. All of those uh, from fairly high possession bases as well. 60% against West Brom. Everton did beat Chelsea 1-0 in September as well, which was Jose Mourinho's first game in charge. And the Everton team that are there, unlike a lot of other teams in the Premier League, actually should be starting to settle in together, like the likes of Gareth Barry, James McCarthy. All these things should actually be coming together for Everton. Oh, they would be, but they can't score at the other end. Stephen Naismith has been played up front in two, for mm. a, more, a lot of parts of the last two games. And they have obviously signed this new guy, Lucina Traore, who mm. got his first goal in the Lovely FA Cup last weekend. Yeah, it was a good goal. Yeah. But at the same time, he's not Romulo Lukaku. And I think they are struggling now. And I just think they're a bit short at the back as well. Um, Jagielka and Distan have obviously been a brilliant central defensive pairing. But if you saw them play against Liverpool, you'll probably get an idea that maybe they're just not what they were 12, 18 months ago. I just think the Everton effort is starting to run out of puff a little and I think it was predicted because they don't really have anybody beyond their top 14 players. Once you go beyond them, they're in, they're beginning to struggle and I really can't see them 
making the Champions League places at this stage. I think Manchester United will probably overtake them and Everton will ultimately miss out on Europe completely, unless they win the FA Cup, of course. That's a big shout right there, Dave McIntyre. That sounds I'd love like to something see them that is coming back to haunt you they've later on in the uh, Friday Football Podcast. Under Moyes as well, they've been a team that I liked watching and I love the effort they always gave, incredible effort. How does he? How does how does Martinez go about approaching this one? Traore seems to be a little bit more of that sort of uh, Lukaku out and out striker sort of role. Um, obviously, the other options, Delefeu or Morales. Does he opt to put that guy who's more attack minded uh, start with that guy who's more attack minded, or actually look to a couple of the other players who might be a little bit more keen to help out in defence? And obviously, the idea behind starting Traore will be that you catch Chelsea on the uh, counter. Yeah, I don't know. Is the answer? Whether you put someone like Morales up there alongside Traore as close to him as possible and give Terry and Cahill something to worry about. Mm. Terry and Cahill have actually been brilliant this mm. season. Arguably the best central defensive pairing in the Premier League. Best defence, so statistically. I, I'm not sure how you... I would have thought that would have been a central defensive pair that were a little lacking in pace, but they haven't proved that. And Terry's seemed to be given a new lease of life under Jose Mourinho when it did seem last season and the season before that his Chelsea career was starting to peter out. Cahill's been one of the best defenders in the Premier League this season. Yeah, but that's probably the reason start that for Terry's England been so good, Cup. isn't it? Well, he's, like, that's giving too much of the credit to Cahill, who's yeah. played extremely well. I don't think that's fa- overly fair on John Terry. I've never been a guy who is comfortable praising Terry for any reason. I think he's an absolute whatever, so-and-so. But, uh, feel free he, to use whatever sort of language you want. He's David. defended brilliantly this season. A lot of it is down to the comfort that he feels when he's beside Cahill. But I do think Terry deserves a lot of the credit himself. The other thing which will have a huge say on this game uh, this weekend, Duncan Ferguson has become first-team coach at Everton. I, I wasn't <laughs> even aware that he was. Uh, this was a path. He seems like an incredibly unlikely character to choose this particular path in life. He was under-18s coach uh, with Everton and now, has now been promoted to work alongside... Uh, Martinez seems a, just a very unlikely situation. Martinez has obviously seen something in him since he arrived at Goodison Park. Mm. What that is, I'm not sure. We all have fond memories, I think, of Duncan Ferguson. He left you feeling that you'd seen something. Rarely did you watch him play a Premier League game, whether it was for Rangers in, up in, in Scotland, whether it was for Newcastle United or Everton, and felt that he shortchanged you in any way. He mm. either scored a rocket, a bullet header, or a brilliant volley, or he broke someone's jaw. Either way, he was an entertainer. Um, so we may, we'll see what he's like on the sideline. Despite making the case for Everton, I do feel this is going to be a Chelsea win. By the way, we really must get around to keeping track on what way we're predicting these games. Okay. Otherwise, we're just kind of shouting in the well. I think we just need to get into some sort I'll of format. leave that to format. you. Yeah. Um, I.e., you don't really want to get involved in doing any more work. Is kind of what well, I'm we did this last season and there. I finished bottom of the table, I think. Well, that seems like a decent enough reason for me to <laughs> um, get back into this. Yeah, I do think Chelsea are going to win this. Probably not, not a huge amount of goals in it. Maybe 2-1, something in that direction. But fancy Chelsea here. Yeah, me too. Home win. That's the 12.45 start on Saturday. Then uh, let's look at some of the three o'clock games. Arsenal against Sunderland to begin with. And it would seem outrageous, Dave, to suggest that Sunderland could possibly win at Arsenal. Yet, a bit like Everton, there are reasons to suggest that Arsenal are... They're probably meeting them for a start at the best possible time. Um, In what way? In that Arsenal have been beaten by uh, Bayern. It looks as if Kieran Gibbs is a doubt. Sunderland have only played uh, once in the last two weeks. The City game was postponed, so a lot of players are pretty refreshed. And Arsenal just had a look about them during the week of a team, Mesut Ozil particularly, and I know it's been talked about quite a bit. Just a player and a team who, after they missed that penalty, you just felt looking at them, this is only going to go one way. 
Well, I would agree with you on all of those things. I do think that Sunderland are a side that are just playing with real confidence that's been instilled in them by Gus Boyd at the moment. They've won three of their last six Premier League games and they've also advanced to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. And they are, of course, waiting on a trip to Wembley where they're going to take on City in the, in the League Cup final. It's all rosy for them at the moment. And despite that, they're still in the bottom three. So every point is so desperately needed by them. Giroud is another issue for Arsenal. Obviously, he's had his issues off the field over the last three weeks. Um, I think he may have fallen out of favour a little. Arsene Wenger said that he hasn't started the last two games because of fitness issues. Well, there's a lot of stuff, obviously, going on off the pitch. Uh, with well, there is. Olivia Giroud. And they want to keep that private. It's not necessarily private. We know exactly what's going on off the pitch. His marriage is probably under a bit of strain, given what the stories yeah. that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. And he's apologised to everybody, family, friends, and the club and his teammates. He's, saying he, Giroud, have, he's saying he didn't have an affair. Maybe but it wasn't also, an affair. But also apologising. It might have been necessarily a bit of an affair. Old. An affair would maybe indicate under. something that was uh, had a little more of a long term really? nature. I, never to thought, it. I, I kind of always <laughs> felt that even if it was just fleeting, that's still an affair. No, that's really? more. Does of have a, to have longevity. I didn't realise that. I think there, there's three elements to it, and I'm not saying that he was involved in any of these three. But good, uh, good and I'm not speaking from experience. But I would have thought you could also break it down into three categories: one night stand, fling, affair. Right. All so time fling, related. Yeah, yeah. All time related. So obviously so we know one night stand needs no further repetition. explanation. Yeah. A fling is certainly there, yeah. more than once, mm-hmm. um, and maybe where there's emotion involved combined with longevity turns it into an affair yeah I hadn't considered any of the any of the above um, but I you know I doubt people are going to get into the position where they're at an Arsenal press conference and they go so Arsene Wenger I hear um, Olivia Giroud has had a one night stand and he'd say no no it was a fling in a, li- in a Limerick <laughs> accent um, but, but, but yes as you rightly clarified this is not to insinuate that uh, I'm not sure what he was up to any of those sort but of things this is a general more of a general conversation but I, we We've been hearing all season how he was their only real option up front. Uh, Sonogo started against Bayern Munich. Don't really understand why Lucas Podolski wasn't given more time on the pitch against um, the European champions, to be honest. It's hard to know what to make of Sonogo as well. He's broadly fairly well received after that game the other night. Showed a lot of immaturity, which is perfectly fair because mm. the guy is, what, 22 years of age. And it, was that his first, was it, his, I don't know, Certainly was his, his first, first Champions start? League start. Yeah, yeah. Look, they're really short up front. We knew this was going to happen when they didn't sign a striker in January and they're probably going to pay for that. I don't know if it's going to be enough for Sunderland to beat them, but I do think Sunderland are eminently capable of giving Arsenal a really uncomfortable afternoon. Um, Rooney at United, uh, Hazard at Chelsea, and I kind of wonder, um, in terms of speaking about uh, Mesut Ozil, we are joined, I must point out now, by Jerry Kilroy. Afternoon, Jerry. Very nice, uh, very nice of you to join us. Traffic as hell, what can I say? The aforementioned fearless leader has now joined us. <laughs> We're in the, what other shit were you saying about me? We've, uh, we've just got over a discussion about uh, what constitutes uh, one night stand versus a fling versus an affair, and Jerry Yeah. Ah, so they might have just been cuddling because they were having an affair. Is that the... Well, no, I, you I, wasn't cuddle, would, would you, yeah, I wasn't necessarily yeah. insinuating that he was involved in any of those three things, but he said he wasn't having an affair. And I'm just saying it's all time related. It's all chronological. We know what a one night stand is, obviously, for the benefit no, of this. I'm explaining the same thing twice now. He, but sorry, you know, he, he said he didn't commit adultery, which is different from not having an affair. Is so, it, I, th- right. I would have thought committing an adultery was the essence of having an affair. No, no. So you... Well, you know, it, you do something you shouldn't have done. You think it's impossible to have an emotional relationship that would also constitute having an affair? You think you've got to be banging, basically, for it to yeah, well, I'm for, sure to be, to be adultery. Were, so you're saying if there's some sort of emotional um, 
meeting of minds that that's actually committing adultery. I'm saying that there's a possibility like that, yeah. I think that, you know... I think that you'll find that when uh, Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction has the foot rub, that Marcellus is well within his rights to say... You're an adulteress. There is something going on here that is not just friendship. Yeah. Marcellus Wallace is not yeah. a man you're going to mess with. No, We're getting he, into the area of technicality. Didn't he throw yeah. somebody out the window for that? Isn't that what happened? Well, the, uh, I don't, my memory doesn't serve me that well, I have yeah. to say. But. So, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe Giroud was just getting a foot rub for two hours. Yeah, in his pants. <laughs> Maybe. At least I like to think he might be dishing out the foot rub at the very least. I mean, all of these events are linked to the fact that he's either not fit and or out of favour with Mentally The question I want to ask here is, sorry <laughs> to nip that in the bud, uh, Wayne Rooney is clearly United's best player at the minute, as Eden Hazard possibly for Chelsea. Who is Arsenal's most important player right now? Um, fit. Well, a fit player. Aaron Ramsey is their best player. He's not fit and he's another massive loss. Right now, I don't think there's a single player in the Arsenal squad that's actually playing well. Flamini. Mm. Flamini's importance is that he will kick the opposition, that he will shout at Mesut Ozil when he needs shouted at, as we saw. He needs a, a lot of shouting at. Is he back this weekend? He was suspended, wasn't he, for, for the red card? Suspension's up. He, so he he's a major boost to have him back. Played midweek and... Uh, I think he's one of the reasons why they were only beaten 2-0 in mm. a game which could have careened out of... But certainly the players that were doing so well from the first 12 games, Giroud, Ramsey, um, Arteta, um, Ozil obviously, who's really just gone significantly downhill. None so, of them are playing well at the moment. Ozil, Ozil's fragile at the moment, but I don't think he's that far away from being good. The penalty that he won was a beautiful bit of skill. And... Yeah, I mean, if it had been a yard and a half over, it would have been a red card, and they would have, you know, it's you just shouldn't a, have taken it. That's the thing. Shouldn't against your international teammate, I guess you're you your training. Mates. One of your best friends. Don't when you were do kids, it. don't who, do it. Who watched you take penalties since yeah, you were ten? But I, I'm, I'm not sure. I get. I buy that logic either. That Manuel Neuer says, "I knew exactly where he was going to put, like, come off it." You know, like for a start, you're five or six years of age. You're not telling me that your technique and you're the same sort of player that you were twenty years previous. Well, if you've seen him a lot over twenty year period, the yeah. bank of information, the ten thousand hours that he's watched him take penalties definitely helps. But the problem is, the penalty was shit. Yeah. Yes. That's the main problem. But it's just another aspect of that penalty that maybe might lean you towards saying I might take this one I've won it as well well didn't Perez and Henri they always said never take the penalty of one yeah. I think they, I think Perez and Henri were best when they took the penalty together <laughs> that, uh, uh, that, best yeah. for our point of view yeah. yes maybe pretty hilarious but yeah um, so do you want to give Jerry? you missed out quickly one word Chelsea or Everton at Stamford Bridge Chelsea and this is Sunderland going to the Emirates Stadium uh, Arsenal going to win that game by the way, did anybody hear Jamie Carragher suggesting that Arsenal shouldn't worry very much about the uh, Champions League, that they should now write off this game being 2-0 down? He's right. There's, there's no hope. There's absolutely there is well, a 0% chance. You might have said that last chance. year when they came very close to actually turning the thing around. Uh, they didn't really come that close to turning it around. The game was always under control. Like There was no way they were going to score another goal. I would suggest it's two goals. They can they can definitely... like how, how often do you get to this position in the Champions League? Every year. Turns out they get there every yeah. year. So once once a year. Yeah. I think you, you're not just going to write it off and say, okay, it's 2-0. Do they have a chance of winning the league? Yes. So do you send your players out to go... It's a very definite, yes. Hell for leather, lose, demoralised, or do you focus on these massive run of games they have coming up? They've got the North London Derby, they've got Liverpool away, they've got a heart, they've got Man City as well in the next couple of games. Yeah. Horrible, horrible fixture list. I say send out your send out your B team and uh, take your whooping and try and win this league because it's the last chance you're ever going to get.
I don't know. I wouldn't agree with them just surrendering and waving the white flag in Germany. And they're not to going be to. honest. They're I don't think they to. will do that either. They're capable of putting in a good performance, losing two nil on the night, and having their pride intact. Because for a lot of the first half against Bayern Munich, they were actually good. Watch the uh, Tommy Bow Body Tech documentary recently, where he goes to the Northern Ireland Institute of Sport and has the blood pinprick test, and they're testing for a specific quotient of, I can't remember what it, what it was, but at a certain level the next day you've got to take training off and uh, it shows it measures muscle damage and muscle damage over a period of time when you train you're more likely to get a tear or a rip for something there's a whenever your muscle gets damaged something gets into the bloodstream and the blood prick shows it up pretty quickly I think that at this stage of the season exhaustion can be a huge factor particularly in a team with a small squad Arsenal have a very small paper thin squad at the moment I certainly wouldn't be risking any of my frontline players in a lost cause because there is no chance of them coming up against Bayern Munich in the Allianz Arena and winning. For this weekend, a clean sweep of Arsenal, I presume, Dave, if you're going that way as well. <coughs> I think Sunderland may take a point from this game. I just think Arsenal are very fragile, mentally in particular. Their season could unravel very quickly, but despite the fact there's 12 games left, they're only one point off the top. I'm just just to be different I'm going to say Sunderland might take something certainly a different point of view fragility I agree with but we've got to look at an Arsenal win here we are by the way Joe we've agreed we're going to try and keep some sort of a record of what people are predicting as opposed to just throwing stones in the well it's and forgetting pointless. about them Dave finished bottom last year apparently so that's reason enough for is me you? to warrant getting this really? thing uh, going I think again. so maybe Mick did I'm sure I did uh, Manchester City against Stoke City um, can't remember City obviously pretty pissed after that loss to Barcelona during the week but Fernandinho's back and Aguero possibly might return uh, this week but he's a bit of a maybe apparently but uh, Stoke City now have the template on uh, how to beat Manchester City they just copy everything that uh, Barcelona have done uh, Stoke's form in recent weeks has been surprising I thought that they were going to sink like a stone and be the team who did drop out of the division uh, maybe you give some credit to Mark Hughes for that I don't know I'm very reluctant to it goes against <laughs> everything that I stand for and yet they haven't got a hope here either um, I think that City and Pellegrini know generally what they're doing the outburst I'm going to say was uncharacteristic and I'm going to back them to get right back on track Yeah I think they will as well they dropped two points at the Britannia Stadium earlier in the season when Stoke were taking points off everybody so I think City will want to avenge that they haven't won in two league games that draw with Norwich was dreadful and obviously losing at home to Chelsea was a big blow for them so they'll do whatever it takes to win this game and it'll probably be something comfortable 3-1-3-0 Don't really fear for City in the same way that fragility they've been, City have been going through a pretty similar sort of blip that, uh, that what Arsenal have but you just don't get that same sort of sense of a fear of fr- the fragility about them but yet they are so reliant on Aguero how, how are a team with so many quality players A. what's happened to Negredo and B. Why are they so reliant on, on Aguero? And maybe th- those two things are linked, I guess. Aguero's record was actually amazing at home, but terrible away. Uh, I can't remember where I read the analysis of it, but uh, I think two of his his 16 goals at that stage had come away from home. So that still suggests he's a striker settling into a new culture, a new city, a new life, and also the responsibility of being one of the most important forwards. I think the problem is that Jovetic hasn't been fit and then has only recently started to look like the striker that everybody thought he was. So, again, their strength and depth on paper looks amazing, but actually isn't. Um, the but at the same time, when he picked up his first injury um, during the Tottenham game at the Etihad Stadium, he was missing for a month and Ed, Ed and Dzeko and 
Alvaro Negredo were brilliant together. Yeah. City didn't mm. lose a game in that run. So it's in this particular injury stint where he's been absent that he's he's really being missed. I don't know how much of it is to do with him, but maybe the problems are elsewhere in the pitch. Dean Michaelis is having a rough time of it. They only have one decent centre-half in their entire squad. That's an astonishing uh, place to be. And Fernandinho, when he was missing, he was a big loss also. So uh, maybe the problems are further back. What's the story with Tim Michaelis? Is he just being played out of position? Is he playing in a different place than he was playing in Germany last year? What's the? He was playing really well in that game up until the sending off. Well, he'd given the ball away a couple of times. He'd kind of tried to pass his way to defence once or twice, and yeah. the crowd were on his back a little. He's he's look, he's thirty three, I think he is, and he's not overly blessed with pace. And when he's alongside Vincent Company, maybe they do need someone who's quicker. And Stasic was his n- next partner last season but he hasn't really he's been injured for a lot of the season as well he doesn't seem to trust Jolly and Lescott they needed to sign a centre half in January and they didn't Fernandinho in front of them is back obviously I don't think it's going to have any relevance for this weekend it might do for the rest of the season though mm, Fernandinho's brilliant and actually when you take a player like Fernandinho out and Aguero out suddenly you're talking about possibly their two best players mm. and no team really can do without their two best players. You're talking about taking Messi and Javi But if you lose your two brilliant, outstanding world-class players, you're obviously going to suffer. Yeah, well, particularly against some of the quality of the op- opposition, obviously, that they've been playing. want to move it on a little bit if we can. Uh, in terms of who we think is going to win this one, Hughes looks to set his teams up a little differently away from home. They tend to concede a lot of goals, and I think they will concede a lot against City. City to win that one. Yeah, yeah, home win. Uh, next up, we go to Cardiff City against Hull City. It's another one of the three o'clock games on Saturday. Um, I've christened it the Mad Owner Derby. Uh, been reading some stuff from the fans this week. The uh, Hull fans saying the Cardiff fans have reached out to them in the way that no other set of supporters have. Um, Hull certainly looking in a much stronger position. Things don't look at all well. In fact, for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, that no, bounce effect that you might have expected just hasn't arrived. They are going down and I expect Hull to be able to uh, do something against them this weekend. I mean, backing Hull away from home is probably one of the stupidest <laughs> things I've ever committed to uh, the airwaves. But at the same time, I, Cardiff weren't actually that bad against Villa in the first half. Uh, uh, it was just in the second half. The goalkeeper pulled off this miraculous gravity-defying save. Yeah. And if they'd lost that, I think that would have been the end of it for them. But I think it's just a stay of execution. And I think Hull at the moment look to have a bit about them. So, Well, between them, over the last 12 Premier League games, they've won twice. They're both really in rank form. And Hull have flattered to deceive quite often. You think they're just going to sort of kick into life. And they were lucky against Brighton in the FA Cup. They're obviously still in that competition, which, which is a bit of a distraction. And they're only... How many points above the drop zone? They're only three points above the relegation zone. Cardiff are only two points away from safety. So I'm not going to write them off. I've already written Fulham, Crystal Palace and, Palace. and Sunderland off at various times this season. Oh, right, okay. in, yeah. Said with absolute certainty, there's no chance these teams can stay up. So I'm not going to do that but until somebody's actually mathematically down. I do think Fulham are screwed. But um, I think Cardiff... They're still in it because there's only two points between them and fourth bottom, but they're playing so badly at the moment. They were dreadful against Swansea, a Swansea team that are going absolutely nowhere. So for that reason, I think they're really going to struggle, but I think they're good enough to get something against Hull. So I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. It was 1-1 at the KC in September, Dave, so that's uh, 
It's pretty nice. brave out of you. Nice balance um, to it. In terms of Shane, Shane Long, what he offers uh, for Hull City, it seems to have been a bit of a masterstroke from Steve Bruce because he's taken a bit of a gamble, obviously bringing two players in who've never worked together before, and particularly in the case of Jelovic, somebody who hadn't been in particularly good form. But both of them seem to be absolutely flying it. Just to talk about, about Shane Long, uh, and I think he will be the main reason that Hull will survive because a lot of the teams in the, in Hull's vicinity and a lot of them below them don't have a player, an outlet like Shane Long. Yeah, and like Yelovich missed a lot of chances before he scored, but he did score. So the signing has worked. You can't really complain about it if he scores more goals at this point. Certainly it's a better strike force than the Danny Graham and whoever else it was that they had. Well, if they stay up, it's worked. But at the same time, if Cardiff win this game, they're only two points behind Hull. If they and do, they're at home. If they go down, they have two strikers who will score a lot of goals in the championship as well. On massive Premier League wages. Uh, yeah, which you get your parachute payment. And a whole, a whole squad that were a whole club that were already in dire financial straits before they got promotion. The general sense I'm getting here is a a, a Hull win. I'm going to go. Uh, go for a draw. Dave went with a draw. I'm going to go to a draw. Jer. Hull win. Uh, next up, West Brom against Fulham. Just kind of bizarre stuff again in Fulham this week. Nearly a week had passed before it was eventually confirmed that the former manager was in fact the former manager and Felix McGath arrives and uh, you know says I'm going to continue the ways that I've had at previous clubs and I'm going to train this team, train them bloody hard and we are going to stay up. I find that hard to see. Yeah, He's still again, got the same bunch of players. Palace had no chance and Tony Pulis organised them and it turns out that at the bottom of the table a bit of organisation and perhaps intelligent didacticism works. Uh, I'm going to reserve judgment on Felix McGath. I don't think West Brom are in particularly good shape at the moment. Uh, I'm still not convinced by their new manager so I think this one could be easily be an ill-all draw. Yeah, the, the noise is emanating from the Hawthorns are that they don't really believe what they're manager is telling them particularly this extremely high line with an ageing defence and two mm. guys at the heart of the defence that really are devoid of pace particularly the Uruguayan defender Diego Lugano who is just and Giannis Olsen who's 34 now and I don't think either of them can play close to the edge of the centre circle just need to stick the ball over the top and they're gone so that they, they certainly want to be playing and defending closer to the edge of their own penalty area um, from a West Brom point of view all this keeping them out of the bottom three at the moment is goal difference Fulham, maybe they will get the managerial kick that you mentioned in terms of Solskjaer and Cardiff. I don't know if they will. It's their third manager in what? When was Yall sacked? It's the third manager October. this season. Yeah. It's the third manager in the last four mm. months. It's a chaotic state of affairs. They've used and 34 players this season. <laughs> they don't have any good footballers either. It's a major problem. Who? Casemi's not bad. He what he wouldn't get into many teams though. Mm. I don't know where the goals are going to come from either. Like certainly you would their performances against Manchester United and Liverpool were major surprises. But maybe they'll gain a lot of confidence from those two. But they haven't won in the last six Premier League games. It's obviously relegation form against West Brom. Where's this game on, Aidan? This is the Hawthorns. No, just because they're home, I think they'll they'll edge it. Though they've made issues as well. Transfer window was a dis- unmitigated disaster for West Brom. Yeah. They've nobody up front, nobody. I don't know what they're going to do to get the, where they're going to get the goals to stay up. In terms of that McGath approach and he says that he's going to bring the players in and he's going to whip them into shape, I was just looking at the team and the age profile of Fulham. Sidwell, Heitinger, Parker, Hangel and Duff, Reese, Reether, all over 30 years of age. Kieran Richardson, almost 30 years of age. Yeah, they're it doesn't old. strike me as a bunch of players that you need to whip around the paddock. No, some of them are actually over 35 yeah. as well. It's, uh, it's not a young bunch of players, but then they're very experienced. They've got thousands of 
hours but that, of playing. That, that's what should keep them up, not like whipping them into shape. Yeah, I, would, I would suggest <coughs> that running these boys into the ground is not going to work. But maybe he doesn't. Maybe that's a euphemism for actually telling them where to stand and how to defend yeah. as a group. You know, like working them hard doesn't necessarily mean doing laps. The torture, he's called. Yeah. Well, maybe he does. Maybe they do do a lot of laps. And actually, who knows? Maybe they didn't do enough running and they haven't got their fitness levels at the right points. I don't know. Like assuming that he's going to fail because he said he's going to work them hard, that doesn't. That doesn't. I don't buy that yet. Yeah. I, there, no. I, look. I mean. I think working them hard in a smart way is absolutely the way to go. I just will be concerned that uh, if he's got this reputation of training players really hard, that with that aging bunch, that could be a worry for them. Um, David I'm, Moyes had a reputation of training players very hard. They overtrained Robin van Persie, as we know, at the start of the season, yeah. just to make sure he'd be fit for the whole. How did that work out? How many games has van Persie missed? <laughs> Right, which way are we going here, Dave? Uh, home win, West Brom. They'll all draw. Uh, yeah, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I think, despite a lot of what I've said over the last five or six minutes, Fulham, <laughs> <laughs> Fulham to win. Uh, by the way, really interesting piece with Ray Wilkins in the Daily Mail today. If anybody gets a chance to about his uh, depression as opposed yeah, to his um, yeah. alcohol his, issues, um, He's suffering from the same condition that Darren Fletcher. Yeah. Ulcerative sort of colitis. Colitis, yeah. yeah. Mm. Just a, like it's just an amazing. It's it's again one of these cases that everybody presumes to know Ray Wilkins because I see him on the TV, not being an amazing analyst, and so you jump to a bunch of conclusions about him and actually you read this piece and it turns out that there's this whole other side. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I would recommend it. Uh, West Ham against Southampton, another one of those three o'clock games. West Ham have the most clean sheets in the Premier League this season. Yeah. And like this job that Sam, like you 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 mentioned about Alan Pardew earlier on and. Despite you're reluctant to, you know, and Mark Hughes, reluctant to give them too much praise. I feel and Mark the same Hughes way about, no credit. about uh, Sam Allardyce, but he's done an amazing job here. Sam Allardyce has done an amazing job. And, you know, I mean, we all know that if only he was a foreigner, he'd be rich. Allardyce. <laughs> he, he certainly is rich. Um, the talk of, well, no more than a month ago, it may be less than that, was that they might sack Sam Allardyce. Mm. And immediately you just think, don't sack him. You will not go down when he's your manager. Do not sack Sam Allardyce. Newcastle wouldn't have gone down if they hadn't sacked him and Blackburn Rovers wouldn't have gone down if they hadn't sacked him. You just keep him and he won't be pretty but he'll get you up the table eventually. They're in 11 position. Obviously, it really is a two-tier table because Swansea and 10th um, have no chance of getting close to Newcastle and 9th so it's, it's two separate Premier Leagues at the moment. On the not pretty thing, right? The Bolton side eventually morphed into a team that had some beautiful footballers in it. JJ Okocha, Ivan Campo liked to, liked to keep the ball and, and pass it. But they were a tiny team on a shoestring budget. So what he's doing is not what Swansea have done and it's a complete different philosophy. He doesn't believe that you can create a side that stays in the top 10 of the Premier League by playing good football until you've built a team who have the capability of having the most clean sheets in the Premier League. So I, I would expect that next season, assuming uh, he gets support in the transfer window, which he will do, because they've got this new stadium to fill, that actually the team will play reasonable football over the next couple of seasons and that Big Sam is going to be completely safe. This Southampton team are pretty uh, brilliant to watch as well. They, I, I feel about them in the same way. You remember that that Fulham team from like 10 or 11 years ago? Sean Tigana's team? Yeah, the Van der Sar, Duff... Louis Saha when he was playing well, Steve Malbranc, just a, this brilliant team. And I've, I've, I kind of sense with Southampton that like their biggest job over the next while are keeping this pretty amazing bunch of players together. It's they unlikely to happen. They won't. Yeah. I mean, they have no chance of holding on to Adam Lallana during the summer. I think um, Luke Shaw will probably leave the club. And They've got another kid who's apparently an amazing fullback, who's a left-back, who's played two games, somewhat right-back. 
uh, who they rate just as highly as Luke Shaw. So they can sell Luke Shaw for 20 million. And if they got 50 million for those two, obviously it would give Pochettino an opportunity to go back and or, really or buy whoever the manager himself, is. Or whoever the manager might happen to be. They are unbeaten in the last six Premier League games. It's the best record over the last six games of any other team in the Premier League. I don't care for them anymore with the way they took and treated their FA Cup fifth round tie. I think it was an absolute joke. A team that will never win anything, mm. a team that have no chance of going down, no chance of breaking into the European places. If uh, One suggestion that was made during the week that I heard was that, well, you get more prize money for finishing higher up the Premier League table yeah. than you would for the FA Cup. Yeah. If that is where we are, if that's how, that is how they're are. counting that the is. brass that is. farthings at this stage. They're a business though, they have to do that. Oh, but how much of a difference could it be? I think it's £100,000 is it for per, per place or is it a million per place? Uh, I think Probably it's closer to a million, I would have thought. Maybe I've misread a zero. I don't think it's a million per place, but um, I do know that the difference between like top 10 and 16th or, is significant. Okay, well, look at the gap between <coughs> Southampton on 39 points and Swansea on 28. That's 11 points between them. Who knows? Maybe he's got a clause in his contract, top 10, you finish in the top 10, you're getting a lot of money. I just think Southampton, they haven't won a trophy since they won the FA Cup in the 70s. And this was just a brilliant opportunity. But then if you win the FA something. Cup, you're stuck in the Europa League and it's a pain in the hole. Just put out your second team in that uh, then. Yeah. Uh, then they get criticised for that. Oh, it's another competition you should be doing. I don't know. I, like, I, see the, I do see the logic and I understand at the same time why everybody's pissed off. Yeah. I would think from Southampton's point of view, like turning your nose up at a trophy with a team who are capable of going on a bit of a cup run and beating some teams. Like, not if you're Palace do. or you're Stoke or Norwich... Yeah. And you turn your nose up the FA Cup, fair enough, because you have bigger Absolutely. fish to fry. But when you're literally, like, can I say literally? Is this a Jamie Redknapp literally? They're literally in no man's land in the Premier League table. <laughs> that is definitely a Jamie Redknapp yeah. literally, because it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> there's uh, there's no such thing as no man's land. There's always somebody is somewhere in the Premier League. West Ham against Southampton. I'm going to go with uh, Southampton win here. Jer- so, uh, who's at home? West Ham. Draw. West Ham to win. Nil all, actually. That's uh, gone three separate ways there. Um, Crystal Palace against Manchester United is the late game on Saturday and it's hard to find two managers whose reputations here have taken such opposing trajectories from the start of the season. Tony Pulis was doing um, analysis in the Satanta Ireland studios at the start of the season and David Moyes had just taken over ownership of arguably the biggest club in the world and uh, well I think it's probably unfair to say that big things were expected well they um, were yeah better things were expected better things were expected what we're seeing uh, Richard Sadler had an inter- interesting piece in the Sunday Independent at the weekend and he talks about uh, Moyes not being the inevitable bad run of a manager who'd followed Alex Ferguson but that the football and, re- the, and results were of a man who's out of his depth agreed yeah I mean he's clearly out of his depth this has been a disaster the, everything everything he's done has been wrong out of his depth so much that he needs to be sacked was the point that Richard Sadlier was making Yeah, he won't be though um, I've, I don't know I certainly had this conversation with you on a Saturday off the ball about six weeks ago I think he I've might be sacked certainly had it since then I don't think he will I, I think he'd need to lose all of his games between now and the end of the season to be sacked he'd have to go out to Olympiacos and he'd have to pretty much just stink the joint out for the remainder of the Premier League fixtures he may well go out to Olympiacos we're at oh, a point now that. where that's Th- that a very That was another realistic. thing that was brought up that day because we were talking about, well, you know, if they get to the semi-finals of the Champions League, and I was like, hang on here. There's no guarantee whatsoever they're going to beat Olympiacos. If they can't beat many of the teams that have beaten them in the Premier League, Fulham. how are they going to go to Athens and get a result, for example? Mm. If they can't beat Fulham at home, they've only won two of their last eight Premier League matches. That is bottom three form. They're an absolute shambles, and I certainly wouldn't be backing them. I said several times this season that if I had my own money, I wouldn't back 
them to win a single game against any team in the Premier League aside from Fulham at home. And they couldn't even do that. So I think I think they should win this game, but I certainly wouldn't be backing them to do it because Palace can really get stuck into them this weekend. They've just mishandled all of the major situations that they've had to handle. What's wrong with uh, keeping Nemanja Vidic? Why was that ever allowed to happen? Surely he's good enough still to play for Manchester United. I mean, you see a lot of this. Um, he has had a poor season, Nemanja Vidic, but he's actually played well in the last four to five weeks. And is the poor season perhaps a reflection on the fact that he's being dicked around on his contract? Well, maybe it's also the fact that he's not as young as he used to be and that he has started to suffer a couple of niggly injuries this season on the back of a couple of career-threatening injuries over the last two and a half years. Mm. So for those reasons, he's definitely not the player he was when Ferdinand was beside him when United won the Champions League and Premier League in 2008. But Paying. you could have kept him around for more reasons than just that. Yeah, exactly. Paying Wayne Rooney 300 grand a week, 70 odd million is the figure that we've well, seen bandied about. That's this afternoon. Mm. Wayne Rooney will be oh, 34 and a half, I think. He'll be, sorry, 33 and a half, approaching 34 when this contract finishes. What sort of a footballer is Wayne Rooney going to be between the ages of 32 and 34? Well, he'd probably have morphed into a different position for a start. He's probably going to be he'll morphed into something, bit, all right. Uh, he's probably going to be bench. playing a bit deeper. Into uh, a larder. Quite, quite, quite possibly. But I mean, Wayne Rooney at this point in time is Manchester United's most important player. I, I'm not. I'm not suggesting that because he's Manchester United's most important player, that they pay him three hundred grand a week or whatever it is. He, he, but he shouldn't be Man United's most important player. The most important player they have should be Robin van Persie, but they've mishandled that situation so badly by making him be injured by overtraining him. That there's just this chronic sense of mismanagement on all of these things. They don't believe, you really don't feel that the players believe in what he is saying to them. They're, I think their best player and most important player should be Juan Mata now mm. that they've signed him. But look, and on, yet on, they haven't once played, given, given him more than five minutes in the position in which he's best suited. Yeah, either. but on that point, like that's one of the rods that's used to beat um, Moyes is, well, let's see how we use Juan Mata. I don't, is he like three games in? Him, Rooney and Van Persie have played no more than three games together. Mm. Like We need to give them an opportunity. Like He's playing him on the left, he's playing him on the right, he's playing him up the middle. There's a body of evidence that suggests that Juan Mata plays his best football in one single position. We've seen it for 10 years. He's, with he, with like, a different bunch of players and, around him. But it doesn't matter. Football is football. He plays in this position, he is very, very good. He plays in other positions, he's not that good at all. Right, Crystal Palace against Manchester United. Just time enough to get your predictions here, lads. I think Palace will get a point off them. Me too. I'm going for United win. Our live games on Sunday, Dave, are... You sure Liverpool hosting Swansea. I'm there with, uh, with Phil Thompson, Tomo yeah. Thompson on and Sunday afternoon. Norwich Tottenham as well. And Norwich Tottenham. I will go for a home win and an away. I wasn't actually looking for your prediction there, but uh, thanks for coming <laughs> in anyway. Jared, Dave, thanks, lads. Cheers. Cheers.